In this episode, we interview a gentleman by the name of Craig Call, and his claim to fame is he's the grandson of Richard G. Scott. Well, someone's got to be, it seems like. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually his claim to fame, but it just sounded good when I said it. Uh, sorry, Craig, that is not only who you are. We're going to find out all about Craig Call in this interview today. Also, it turns out the G in Richard G. Scott uh, stands for Gordon. I'm not sure many of our listeners knew that. Huh. Now you do. Now you know. You are welcome. <laughs> you want to learn more? Let's take a commercial break and get into it. All righty. Be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl just trying to figure out her life. Uh, I'm Mary. And uh, I'm Shelly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> So, Shelly, we have a special guest today. Do you no. want to introduce him? Uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you are. to be honest, I'm excited about everyone, but this one, Extra for excitement. no other reason, the hair on this person's head is just <laughs> beautiful, and I love it, and I want the haircut. So, this person, I'll go ahead and say this is Craig Call, and I'm going to read his self-written bio. So, if you have a problem with it, it's his fault, not mine. So don't blame you. Yeah, don't You're the blame messenger. Me. Don't, okay. Never, never blame me. <laughs> All right. He says, my name is Craig Call. Glad he got that right. Uh -huh. I am a 31-year-old computer engineer, but I also do some adult filming on the side as well. Ooh. Fun. The, the raise the roof with my hands. Do people do that anymore? Uh, that might be a little No, dated. I think Sorry. you're dating yourself. Okay. I am a bisexual, ethical, non-monogamist. We'll get into that later. I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. We'll also get into that later. I come from a very religious Mormon family. I served a mission in the Taiwan. Oh, dear. I'm going to hatch at this. Craig, what's the name of your mission? Taiwan, Taichung. Okay. Mission from 2008 to 2011 <laughs> with a 10-month hiatus in the middle. That was very professional, by the way. <clears throat> My grandpa was Elder Richard G. Scott of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the Mormon Church. Though I left the church, there were a lot of things about grandpa that I love and try to incorporate into my life. I'm a pretty open book, and I'm in love with life now, and am just a happy guy. So, Craig Call, welcome! Yay, welcome to the show! <laughs> Thanks for being here. I'm excited to be here. This is something I was, I've was i been looking forward to for a little bit. Oh, Aww. good. Well, we're pretty fun, Well, I'd try say. not to haze you too much. Uh, I, I <laughs> no guarantees. We can't promise shit on that. <laughs> so I know when people are listening, they're like, oh, my God, his grandpa was Richard G. Scott. Like, that's cool and all, but we really want to go out of the gate and get to know you. Okay, so I'm going to raise my hand right now and go, who the fuck was Richard? <laughs> what is it? Richard who? Richard G. Scott. G. So Scott? He, okay. Richard Gordon Scott. Okay. Gordon. So he was an apostle in the church. And when I say apostle, I do the, the, air, the, quotes. the air quotes because, yeah. Did he wear a robe and sandals and hung out with Jesus? No. Okay, okay just checking. That was, that was the old apostles. <laughs> these are new uh, apostles. He's a new apostle. Uh, he was an apostle from 1988 to 2015, and he passed away in 2015. So listeners who are exmo or currently mo, we know we know who Richard G. Scott is. We're, we're going to ask some questions on that a little later. But first, I want to know, Craig, tell us about Craig. That's like a really big open-ended question. Like, okay, tell me. <laughs> tell right. us about yourself. I was born in, on July 4th in 1989. <laughs> wow, July 4th? Seriously? Yeah, July 4th. Oh, shit. God bless Fireworks. America, Craig. God bless <laughs> Go. America. Right. I actually have a tattoo on my uh, ribs. It's a uh, bald eagle in front of like an American flag-ish in uh, watercolor style because I was like, 
That's my birthday, so. Oh, nice. For a second, I thought you were going to say tattoo on your butt. But Same. ribs is cool, too. Wait, so so not to turn this back to me, even though I do this a lot, my birthday is June 14th, which is Flag Day. So I could get a matching tat with you, Craig. I'm just throwing that out there. Ooh, nice. Rib tattoos for everyone. <laughs> Rib Go tattoos for it. all around. All the pain. Yes. <laughs> Patriotic pain all around. Uh-huh. Rib tattoos. Okay. How much do you love your country? <laughs> Show it. Stab it. Stab it <laughs> in your, your ribs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we're already struggling with seriousness here. Okay, so were you born under the covenant? Yes. Duh. Ah, attaboy. <laughs> yeah, so my mom and dad were married. I'm the youngest of four kids. Um, and then when I was four years old, though, my mom and I, we were struck from behind by a drunk driver, and she died six days later. Oh, Ooh. shit. And then a few years after that, uh, then my dad remarried, uh, Elder Scott's daughter, only surviving biological daughter right now. From then till now, that she's been my stepmom and basically just my mom forever like this. And so I grew up with Grandpa Scott and I had three sets of grandparents and it was great. I love all of them. Wow. 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 Okay. Uh, first of all, so sorry about your mom. That's tragic. That sucks. Yeah. Sorry. So at what age did you kind of start to realize who your grandfather was? Like as in who he was in the church, obviously. Yeah. I, more probably like when I was eight or nine. And that was just because like everyone was making a big deal about it at my parents' wedding. Uh, yeah. President Hinckley was there and I had, there's this picture where I'm next to President Hinckley and I have no idea. People were giving me gifts and I was like, I, I want the gifts. I'm like, I don't know who this old person is, but I'd love to get like back to playing with my truck or something. Yeah. Stop pinching my cheeks. God damn it. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, oh, all this. Then I started to kind of understand what all these things meant. Like, even though in the church from primary, you know, nursery primary, we talk about the the leadership and the presidents and the uh, apostles, it kind of is more ethereal at that point. You're like, it's not as concrete. Sure. So once I started getting like, as like eight years old, I started realizing what this was because of what a big deal everyone would make about it. And it was kind of understanding that we were in a more unique situation, something that most people didn't experience. Sure. Right. Did that cause you to feel pressure to sort of obey better? Yes and no. <laughs> it's it's like a mix of both. Uh, yes, absolutely. There's Because I think that a lot of the eyes of the church in general being on me of my ward and stake and everything, definitely I was like, I need to be this, you know, Peter Priesthood, perfect example of everything. Can't have any mistakes. Just kind of very perfectionist. Because I was like, oh, you know, maybe one day I'll be an apostle. And like, I don't know why in my mind that's what I thought. I'm like, now I don't want to. Yeah, well, no. Mary, you had a question. Oh, I was going to say, at what age did you kind of feel like, or did you, that Grandpa and his friends were celebrities? Uh, Probably about the same time I kind of realized that he was a big deal in the church, about the eight years old or so. So to tie that in, at around what age did you start to uncover your sexuality? That is like, that's like a long question in and of itself. I, it took me a long time to kind of accept myself. Craig, I need a date and a time, please. With <laughs> okay, seconds. I see. It was exactly on January 17th. I'm just I think it was uh, last week. Last week. <laughs> last week. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I couldn't help but poke at you. All right, carry on. I mean, I, I know when I would go to get underwear at Target, you know, you go down to the underwear aisle and you'd see the guys and I was like, why am I like drawn to the underwear aisle? There's like something about these pictures. But then at the same time, 
you know, we'd go over to like the girls underwear and things like there. And I'd see some of the pictures of Mike. Why do I like this picture too? Gotcha. It was kind of confusing. Yeah. What age do you think that started roughly? Maybe 10, 11 ish. I was noticing it more. I would imagine you tell me if I'm wrong at 10 or 11, you didn't really know what bisexual was or had you kind of heard of it and you were wondering? I didn't hear of bisexuality, I think, until either like senior year of high school, freshman year of college, like way later. It was growing up, it was like you were either gay or straight. Well, you dealt with same sex attraction or you were straight. Right. How how old are you, by the way, so I can see what uh, what generation difference we have here? I'm 31. I'll be 32 uh, this July, so in a few months. Oh, little baby. Shelly likes to ask all the inappropriate questions. What's inappropriate about how old you're? I'm like trying to, I'm trying to put my mind into the same era as like how sexuality was taught. So I'm 46, so it's, okay. it's a little older than yours. But still, when you talk about Mormons and sexuality, you know. They're behind they're, the times. They're way behind the times. Yeah. So there's no way you would have heard about any. Any differences. Sure. In... Or you would for sure wouldn't have known anyone that you could look up to who was bisexual. Like that's just not going to happen in Mormondom. Oh, true. And I mean, even in the queer community, we have a lot of Freddie Mercury was bisexual and he admitted he was bi, but everyone was like, no, he was gay. It's like, he can be bi. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Guys and girls. It's. That's a thing. That's an actual yeah. thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It really is. I'm proof of it. It's a legit <laughs> option. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know. Sure. There was a, a, a while there where I was thinking about my sexuality and it, someone had told me that they had a best friend who was gay. And this gay friend said that bisexuality is a lie. You can't just, oh. yeah, I know. So, of course, I took that to heart like, oh, well, if the gay guy said you could ever be bisexual, then it must. Be. But now I've met people who are truly, absolutely bisexual. It's like, why would I judge that? You know? That's interesting. I wonder yeah, where who knows? Who knows? Hmm. So as you're growing up, and obviously you're doing all the Peter Priestity things as best you can. Well, like outwardly. Show sure, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, where were you on the inside? Well, uh, it's going to be pretty, like, explicit here for, like, things, so. I double dog dare you. Go. So, like, listeners, like, if there's... If there's children in the room and you're worried about it. Exactly. (laughs) It's about to get down and dirty. Mm -hmm. I like it. (laughs) Well, like, I mean, I'm I'm very open about things. Like, as you read, I also do kind of, like, some adult films on the side now. I enjoy it. Yeah, be open. So, I I think I was 13 years old the first time I gave a guy a blowjob. And then I was 15 the first time I topped. 16 the first time I bottomed. And then 18 was the first time I had sex with a girl. But that was... Actually, like right before I was going into the MTC. So it's like I had my admission call already. And oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. That's gutsy. Did you repent of this? Well, later. Yeah. Actually, so I ended up confessing to my mission president. Uh, great oh, guy. Oh, shit. Yeah. Craig, Craig, Craig. That never oh, Craig. goes well. <laughs> Did you get sent home? There's all these things. I, yeah. So I was sent home for 10 months. And then because uh, of kind of connections with my grandpa, he allowed for me to be able to end up going back to Taiwan to finish my mission, which wow. normally doesn't happen. Usually you'd finish off stateside, but he's like, right. You know, I'm aware at least of the behavior element, but not necessarily of details. I'm not sure exactly what he knew. Mary's mind is being blown right now. I know, Mary my mind is a little blown. So did this get back to your grandfather? 
yeah. So I wrote a letter to my mission president because I was feeling like, why am I not seeing like all of the baptisms, you know, that you're supposed to be seeing and and having, you know, it's such amazing successes. Like, oh, it must be because of me. It must be because of the unrepented or terrible things I've done in my life. Oh, shit. I didn't know if I could actually bring myself to say it in person. Yeah. And so I wrote it all down in a letter. And then I'm like, all I have to do is I have to just send it into the, so I went up to like the mailbox mm-hmm. and I was like as soon as I just let go then it's done and there's nothing I can do I can't yeah like take it back so I was like okay and that I just have to get just that courage so I did I put it in uh, a few days later I get a call and he's like hey let's talk about it Oof. so I talked a little bit and then I go home my grandpa's uh that like first general conference he writes a, a, a talk for me or at least a lot of it was directed at me and he because he like told me that this is direct for me. Oh Oof. shit! Between sessions of general conference, we go usually to his office and have some some snacks, some food, sandwiches, and things. And so he pulled me aside into like a side room, and we talked a little bit. He's like, "Hey, I'm aware of what's happening with you. You know, he's like, it's great. We can get this resolved. We'll get you back on your mission. Let me know, and you know, I'll take care of the rest." Wow. So that was kind of his his approach. I. That that's all he said. So I don't know what that meant. I don't know what all he knew. Yeah. What did he think was going to be resolved? I have to ask the question. Did your mission president know it was gay sex? Oh, well, yeah. So, I mean, he, because I had mentioned that I had slept with both guys and girls and then. Okay. Gotcha. Receiving and giving of both and and things like this. Wow. Oh, they'll ask you all the details. Yeah. Yeah. At the time I was like very much like this very believing Mormon guy. So I was like, oh, I have to be like very vulnerable and really just kind of pour my heart and soul out in order to be able to really have the contrite heart to be forgiven, to repent. And so I was just, you know, gushing out everything. This is, you know, everything that's happened, answering all those questions. But from that point to what grandpa said of, oh, I'm aware of what's happening. I don't know what aware of what's happening actually meant. Yeah. Okay. And you didn't go into it. You didn't elaborate. And when he said, we're going to get it resolved, what do you think that meant? Part of, like, in my whole confession thing that I had when I was going home was that I had also kind of had, like, an addiction to pornography, right? Like, church standards of addiction. Sure. Which is like normal boys watching porn, right? There's a lot of things you can learn there. I'm like, wow, there's, like, it's, it's, it can be very informational. It can, sure. sometimes it's not realistic. You're just like, okay, that's terrible acting, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's like, that never happened to me. What the hell? Yeah. The critiquing that the one performer critiquing another like performance, you're like, mm, that was good. Overall, I'd give it a 9.6. <laughs> so I'd mentioned about like pornography and some of these like sexual immoralities, kind of what I we termed it. And, and so I don't know if he was focusing more on like the pornography side or if he was thinking like, oh, it was just more of a byproduct of some of these other things. Because at the time, I was kind of thinking like, oh, it's just easier to hook up with a like with a guy than with a girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still technically true, but that's not the reason why I like guys. Yeah. But in my mind, I was rationalizing that that's what it was. Mm. And so I think that he was focused more on maybe the addiction part is like, oh, with that, then, you know, these other things kind of go away. Because I had expressed interest in a lot of girls growing up and even at BYU and things. Nothing kind of crazy. Just there's a lot of these girls I like to date and I'd take them to activities that we'd have special tickets to at the conference center or family meeting with grandpa. Mm -hmm. And so I think that he was discounting more of the same sex stuff and focusing more on the sexual immorality. Like, I can't do air quotes. <laughs> I see them. I feel them. Sexual immorality. Yeah. 
I have a quote right here. Uh, Apostle Richard G. Scott has taught that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, all desire to sin can be changed and individuals can experience lasting peace. And this is under the homosexual thoughts section here. It says, for those with same gender attractions, church leaders counsel that the line of prudence is between the susceptibility and the feelings. The church teaches that everyone has feelings they did not choose, and homosexual feelings can be powerful and difficult to control. But regardless of the causes, these problems can be controlled and eventually overcome. Even though there is no church discipline for homosexual thoughts or feelings, the church teaches they should learn to accept responsibility for homosexual feelings, and cite example of how those born with inclinations to alcoholism, anger, or other undesirable traits have been able to control their thoughts and actions. With better understanding of moral law, they teach these problems will be able to be fixed routinely. The church teaches that members should not indulge in activities that will intensify homosexual feelings, such as viewing pornography, masturbating, or participating in homosexual behavior. So those are the things that Richard G. Scott said thought (laughs) is that the feeling that you got from him as well as you were going through these struggles and again we're not sure if he knew about the homosexual part or the bisexual part or what about the pornography he did talk about in that talk that's like the finding safety for the soul or something yeah Uh, he talks about uh how temptation and pornography can weave this web of kind of immorality and sin. And when he kind of pulled me aside into that side room, he said, well, you know, in my talk, just like I talked about that, you can also weave webs of righteousness and and stalwarts against the buffetings of Satan. Yeah, so you can just do these things and it'll help protect you. And, you know, at the time, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, great. Didn't work. <laughs> Didn't stick. <laughs> nope, still by. <laughs> yeah. So did anyone in your family ever say, Craig, your behavior is reflecting poorly on your grandfather and hurting his chances at becoming prophet or whatever. Did anyone say anything like that? No, there's never anything of like, oh, this is going to hurt anyone else. Nothing like that. In fact, there's actually one time when kind of in jest at like a family dinner, someone had asked grandpa, you know, well, you know, what happens if you were to become the president of the church, and he's like, well, I'm grateful that I don't have that calling. He's like, I am very content just to be in the Quorum of the Twelve, because especially a lot of the decisions that kind of fall on the president of the church's shoulders, he saw a lot of that responsibility, and at least had mentioned, like, oh, nope, don't want that. Yeah, right. There wasn't anything of like, oh, it reflects badly. I didn't ever get that feeling. That's great. So I've got a couple more things to bring up about things that he's said. It's been rumored, I guess, that he kicked his own gay son, Ken, out of the house in 89. Did you know Ken? Uh, Yeah, so I do know Ken. He said he treated his son awfully. This is just someone talking. For example, Ken refused to wear his garments any longer, so his father kicked him out of the house at midnight, locking the door on him while Ken was in his pajamas. Ken made it barefoot to a local 7-Eleven to call a friend of mine to come get him, and he crashed at my friend's place. Ken was a suicidal mess, and his father did nothing but make Ken feel even worse about himself. Ken eventually moved to Phoenix to get away. Do you know anything about that? Uh, so I don't know about that. My dad married Mary Lee in, like, 96, 97. If that had happened, that wasn't ever something that was brought up in the family. Gotcha. No one talked about it. Like, we knew Ken had said that he is gay, but I think a lot of uh, the feeling in the family was not necessarily that they believed him or that it was maybe he's confused because there was just kind of some of that feeling. It's like, oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's in the 80s. Like, no one thought that gay was an actual thing that you were. You just pretended because you wanted to have rampant sex. At least that's what I was taught. I, I think that that's how, in general, kind of how it was presented is more of like the decision 
because like the most recent quote you were reading was more recent about everything. You go back a few decades, I mean, it gets down to even with uh, President Kimball of it can be cured. Right. Why they tried so hard to keep it, uh, even petitioning the uh, DSM, trying to get the psychiatric group or association mm-hmm. to try to keep it in the DSM because then they could still be able to point to it as well, the DSM says it's a mental disorder, so it can be treated just like anything else. Right. Yeah, we know the church, um, and I would say BYU specifically, has a shit track record as far as, um, I mean, shit, you know, as far as dealing with. I think that's putting it nicely. I know. <laughs> Fucking shit. Is that better? Like, how many swears do I need? You know, they did all the the conversion therapy and you know, now at this point, sweeping under the rug, don't want to talk about. And that's infuriating. It's probably a little bit infuriating to you as well, which reminds me to ask this. How much do the apostles know, like, really what's going on with the members of the church? Because sometimes it seems like there's such a disconnect. For example, you know, I'll listen to a conference and they're saying this shit. And I'm like, do you even know how many gay people are out here? Like, do you have any idea of how the world actually works? So to shorten my question, do you think that your grandpa was kind of disconnected? I think that there are certain things that he didn't want to focus on. So with the queer community, LGBTQ+, I don't think he really put as much effort in trying to, not that he would necessarily shy away if someone wanted to talk to him or counsel with him. I don't ever get that feeling that he wouldn't listen. But for him, a lot of the priority was was just trying to listen to the members of what they felt was important, what they wanted to share with them. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I don't think that that was as much same-sex attraction stuff as it was abuse or about trying to provide for a family or have love and all that. Right. Speaking of abuse, this was my last quote that I'd pulled up. He said this in 92, so not a super long time ago. And this is about abuse. He says, the victim and this is sexual abuse, the victim must do all in his or her power to stop the abuse. Most often the victim is innocent because of being disabled by fear or the power or authority of the offender. At some point in time, however, the Lord may prompt the victim to recognize a degree of responsibility for the abuse. And that is shitty. And I know that's blown up and a lot of abuse victims are very horrified at that. Or abuse victims within the church that hear that are like, oh my gosh, oh, yeah, I was a little tipsy, so some of this is my fault, and it's just really taking this victim blaming to heart. And that was probably, for me, one of the most offensive things that he's said. And so back to you, like, how do you, in your mind, know that he said that, but you still love him as grandpa? Oh, yeah, it's taken some time for me to kind of separate church grandpa from family grandpa. And I can understand his mindset of, of things, because I, growing up with him, I kind of know what he's like. But I'm like, I don't, I don't condone that at all. If you are abused, it is not your fault that you're abused. Priesthood authority, they start to see some of these things, why you get into, well, you know, did you climax? Did you do these things? Like what's going on? Trying to get some of the details, not just because of this, because they say, well, you know, if you somehow showed that you enjoyed it, maybe, or. Right. What was she wearing? Yeah, that's <laughs> the reason. Mm-hmm. Like that whole thing just fucked up and shitty. I don't like that at all. Yeah, Yeah. I I can recognize I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of those things that I don't condone. I think they're terrible. It's still kind of hard to to think back because there's some things I'm like, you know, I I love my grandpa, but also I know that she did shitty things too. And that's just how life is. Yeah, that is how life is. And isn't that sort of the case with everyone who has like uber religious parents and grandparents? I mean, that's our situation. We love them. 
but we wish they wouldn't say half the crap that comes out of their mouth, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love my parents. I love my dad. But he says, I mean, now he's super senile and he says just wacky shit. But before he lost his mind, <laughs> he said things that were just really offensive toward, uh, you know, politics, race. Women. Uh, women, geez. Yeah. Um, homosexuality. I mean, he was like hardcore yeah. hates the gays. And it's almost like I have to separate that into, like, here's my dad that worked hard to provide for us, that tried to take us on fun vacations, that would give you the shirt off his back, that would, if you said, Dad, I need help fixing a toilet, he'd be on the plane out here to fix a toilet. Like, you just got to somehow separate it. Like, okay, well, he's old, and that's how they used to believe. Yeah. It doesn't make it hurt any less when they say that shit. I know. I mean, you get it. You got to kind of separate it. Yeah. For sure. But you know what, Craig? We have a rapt audience here waiting for some juicy tidbit about the quorum. <laughs> Come on. Sure. <laughs> like, what? Spill it. Spill it, Craig. After, I, I'll answer what okay, I can. I have a question. I have a question. Do they really meet with Jesus on Thursdays? <laughs> I never heard anything about like any living modern apostle saying that they had physically seen Jesus. I haven't heard that, but right. my grandpa always said that the greatest confirmation he ever had is from the Spirit. Yeah. Thursdays, they do have the meetings in the upper chambers of the temple. Uh, they have uh, some of the, the presidency of the 70 or others, other general authorities there. They do a sacrament meeting. It's one of the only other times they can administer the sacrament. Question. For the special sacrament, do they get to use wine? Oh, please. Or at <laughs> well, least grape juice. I, at least grape juice. <laughs> I mean, come water. on. You'd think that when it was like the head honchos and, and very possibly Jesus, but probably not, you'd think they would at least use grape juice. Maybe they were confused and then thought Jesus turned wine into water. Ah, shit. Maybe that's what it that was. Happens. That happens. That <laughs> <laughs> So, Shelly, this sounds like a good time for a break. I agree. We'll be right back. And we're back. What about, um, did he get along with everyone in the quorum? Did he have buddies or were some people he was like, I hate you? That's a strong word, Shelley. Knowing my grandpa, like he, it's hard for me to imagine him hating anyone. Mm -hmm. Something that he told my mom when they got married and then, you know, he's repeated multiple times is show and express love and gratitude at every opportunity. Like that was his big advice that he would repeat over and over. So it's hard for me to imagine him hating anyone. And this is just my speculation. I can't say anything because I never really heard him say anything about, oh, I don't like so-and-so. He loved everyone. Who do you think he liked the least? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> the person I like the least, you know, is is Elder Oaks. Yo, yeah. Does anyone like that guy? I don't think yeah, anyone he was, likes I actually that guy. was in a sacrament meeting with him a few <laughs> years ago because his daughter is that Jenny Baker Oates that plays the damn violin out here in near... DC. Anyway. <laughs> the damn violin. Please, the damn violin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's great advice. Love everybody. Blah, blah, blah. That's fantastic. We want some dirt, Craig. What is some dirt <laughs> on these guys? I think Craig doesn't know what kind of dirt we want. I don't know what kind of dirt we're looking for either. It's like grandpa. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I... What, what does he know anything about the $120, 30000000000 billion surplus is what I want to know. Oh, that's a good question. How much do you think he knew? Sorry. Dogs. <laughs> Damn it, Eddie and Domino. <laughs> How much do you think he knew about the finances that are within church? Because for me, that's probably the worst thing is that they have so much money and really don't do shit with it. And and Richard G. Scott, like, honestly seems like a nice guy. Old, says some fucked up things, but a nice guy. So it's hard for me to realize how these 
old guys that are generally nice, except they say dumb shit. Do they really know how much money there is? And do they are they really okay with it just sitting there for Jesus? So finances were one of the things that we were like, didn't talk much about in our family. So, I mean, I knew that he got a living stipend is I think is what they called it. Mm-hmm. So like he got paid from the church for all those things because he would like do travel and the thing to be able to make sure that he had enough to be able to eat and live and everything. Cause he's not doing a, a normal job. Sure. So I knew some of that. There was one time at Christmas, I got a check and I remember my stepmom saying something like, you know, remember those are sacred funds. This comes from the treasury of the church. So be aware of like the sacred nature of these funds. And I was like, Oh yeah. Cause Dude, Craig, some of that's probably from my tithing. So if you could pay it back, that'd be great. Yeah. Thanks. Did you buy weed with it? That's yeah, did what you I want to know. <laughs> oh, man, I wish I could have. <laughs> so you think as him being a granddad, your relationship with him was he was a good guy. Like when he spent time with you, he made you feel like you were the only person that mattered in the world. Yeah, well, that's nice. We do watercolor painting or like a road trip or something. And we just, how is life? How is this? How's it going? And just very interested. There's actually a story with my uh, my niece. She was getting in the middle of getting potty trained. And so we're at general conference in between sessions. She's using his little bathroom there. And she gets out and she's so excited because she finally used the potty for like the time. And she's like, grandpa, I went poop. <laughs> and just without missing it, he's like, that's great. And he's just so excited for her. <laughs> and then he realized he was miked because he's about to go on stage like, at General oh, Conference. No. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Can you imagine what that story would have been? Oh, it would have been amazing. It would have been amazing. Uh, I know that a lot of the apostles don't write their own conference talks. So when I read these things that he said, I'm like, well, he's kind of reading what someone else wrote, but I guess he wouldn't read it if he didn't agree with it. He wrote his own talks and translated them actually into Spanish and Portuguese himself. Oh, that's right. He did wow. uh, speak, the, speak the Spanish. So we can give him credit for any of the bullshit he said. I was trying to give him an out, Greg. <laughs> I feel like that criticism should be like where it's deserved rather than just like taking cheap shots of people. I'm like, no, nah, like if they fucked up, then they fucked up. I'm not going to like invent things of being like, no, it's this thing and he's terrible. I'm like, no, there's no out. He said what he meant and that's it. So, Well, let's talk about your journey out of the church. So you were full on in the church until what age? So I, about two and a half years ago is when I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done. I was married at the time. So I am divorced. My ex-wife and I were, so we were married for three and a half years. And then one day she just packed up half the ship when I was at work and left. Um, I was trying to get up like the courage to ask for divorce prior to that. It was not a good marriage and I'm happily divorced. Yeah. Even a few weeks before I came out publicly, which how I came out like publicly on Facebook was, let's get one thing straight. I'm not. And that was it. That was my coming out post. <laughs> Damn nice. it. I should have taken that. <laughs> oh, well, good one. A little bit before that is kind of when I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'll, a lot of the mental energy I was trying to do to try to prop up my marriage, I couldn't have, an, I didn't have any mental energy left to try to prop up all the inconsistencies in the church that I saw. And I was like, well, it. I was like, I'm not going anymore. So that was about two and a half years ago. And then... Was your wife still in the church when you guys divorced? Happily divorced and have no clue where <laughs> she is. And that's <laughs> nice. That's good enough for me. There you go. I'm glad not to know anything about that. But um, basically, I've considered myself just out of the church for the past few years. But then in actually about two months ago, almost to the day, I had submitted through Quit Mormon my resignation, although... It has yet to still be processed. The church is very slow on trying to let people leave. Mm. It's too bad you can't call and, you know, say, hey, church, 
my grandpa was Richard G. Scott. Can you go ahead and get my resignation wrapped up real quick? Like, you know, because you got to go back on your mission. So why not pull some strings to get out of the church? Right. right. It doesn't really work that way. <laughs> right. It's only one direction. Only one direction. That's true. <laughs> totally. So you left the church, mm-hmm. came out on Facebook or social media. First of all, did you get shit from your family for leaving the church? And then what was the shit for coming out? So the shit from coming out was like worse, I think, at first. So my dad wrote me a few letters. Mm. There was one right after I came out. He's like, maybe if you just don't focus on it and it's like... It'll go away. Right. Yeah. An addiction <laughs> to chocolate. Oh, God. Or like temptation to to sleep in and same-sex attraction, right? All these temptations. I'm like, you can't just lump it under like chocolate. God. Like, day is, is obviously much sweeter than chocolate, let's be honest. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you. And what's wrong with sleeping in? I'm confused. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> right? You know, it's funny to me that these people, and I'm going to rip on men for a minute, they are just like, just don't focus on it. And you want to say, okay, straight man, how about you never focus on your Sex, penis holding hands, <laughs> kissing from now on. Yeah, your penis doesn't exist. There is no right. romance, nothing. How's that feel? You know? <laughs> it's just like chocolate. Just don't have any. <laughs> right, they, right. They, they can't think of it on themselves. I'm going to try that next time. Mm-hmm. It's just a phase. Is it? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like you had written that and kind of just, well, you know, you can still follow the commandments and be good and all that. I was like, okay. Yeah, I got the same shit from my dad. As long as you don't act on it, I'm like, nope. Who's acting? Yeah, who's acting? I'm a pro. Uh, I wasn't a pro at the time, but. (laughs) I don't suffer from same-sex attraction. I enjoy it every goddamn day. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I wear that badge. (laughs) Uh, So your dad was not too cool with it. How about your mom? And how are they now? So they both not very, like, cool with it. They're getting better. It takes some time. I mean, how how many years has it been? So I came out about the same time I left, so about two and a half years ago. Okay. After my divorce, then there was a guy I dated for about 14 months. He's a really great guy. We actually work at the same company. Different teams, though. Is it awkward now? I just have to ask. You don't play on the same team? Sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so there's like that. They, They knew about him, and they kind of know about some of the people I'm dating now. And I'm like, cool. Nice. I'm not going to live my life for someone else anymore. That was a big thing of, I realized I was living for everyone else except for me. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. for you, Craig. That's a hard point to get to because I know in Mormonism, you are taught that you do everything for everyone else. Right. You, you as a human being, your soul, your hearts, your desires, it doesn't matter. You just need to to be in line and do what you're supposed to, and then you'll be happy and you take care of everyone around you. To have the bravery to actually say, you know what, I'm living for me now. Mm-hmm. Because when I first started doing that, I felt so selfish. I felt like this was a selfish thing to do. It took me a while to kind of get to the point where I was like, this is not selfish. This is taking care of myself. That doesn't mean I don't love others. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to help people. I'm just not going to get like trampled on anymore. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a, a book that I've read that I love. It's called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. I like recommend it to everyone because I'm like, I just I fucking love this book. But it's it's especially about being able to investigate our thoughts and what are the lies that we tell ourselves? What are the things that make us miserable or not? And I can keep whatever thoughts I want to keep and having an honest conversation with myself, which is something I didn't really feel like I could have as much inside the church as just now I can live for me. And I can't live anyone else's life. I can't control how someone else may perceive me trying to live mine. And I'm like, and I don't want to try to control someone else's life. They have their life. I have mine. I'm happy, happiest I've ever been in my life. And no one else can kind of 
affect that for me. Yeah. Do you think if you hadn't been wrestling with uh, orientation issues of bisexuality feelings, would you have stayed in the church, do you think? No. I mean, I probably could have lasted another few years. Who knows how long I could last under just the cognitive dissonance. I learned how to read Egyptian hieroglyphs since I was like a little kid. Oh, wow. shit. Really? Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> oh, I love languages. You know, I've got some golden plates I want you to interpret. So. <laughs> okay. Are you sure it's not a Greek Psalter? I think it is. Yeah, that. I don't know Whatever what it is. is. I put them under the bed and they're gone now, but I promise you they were there. <laughs> right. They disappeared. <laughs> so I, I've been obsessed with Egypt. So I learned how to read some Egyptian hieroglyphs and I would get the books from the library and I don't know how to reconcile these. And so the whole book of Abraham was something I was like, well, maybe if I squint and jump through these hoops, I can interpret it this way. And so as you're reading sort of the book of Abraham, you, like other Egyptian people who can read Egyptian hieroglyphics, are like, uh, what the fuck? Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, this is not the same as what it's being purported to have said. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. Oh, wait. Okay. As a never I'm mo, not sure if I have Mary a question. Knows this. Yeah, I have a Mary. question. So, what does this book of Abraham have to do with Egyptian hieroglyphics? So, when Joseph Smith was in Kirtland, there's a, a seller, kind of like a traveling salesman, he had some of these scrolls along with a coffin that he had acquired from Egypt and was like selling them. And he had heard about uh, Joseph's golden Bible and how they were translated from Egyptian. He's like, oh, this is someone who would be interested in this. So it sees the papyrus and you have some of the, the first translations. He's like, oh, I've examined it and find it to be an account of Abraham. Okay. When he was in Egypt and he bought up these papyrus. So we actually, they're actually, the, the papyrus still exist. For a while, they thought they were destroyed in the Great Chicago Fire, but they still exist in the, in the church archives. The church just doesn't like to talk about it, right? Because when you're holding on to a crucial piece of evidence that kind of discredits a lot of how you present things, you tend to not talk about it a lot. Yeah. Papyrus still exists. Egyptologists have actually looked through and can translate the rest of everything else. I don't read heretic and want to learn heretic, but I. Yeah, that's the cursive form of hieroglyphs. Are you saying, so first of all, this traveling salesperson actually did sell the papyrus to Joseph Smith. Like this is a real thing. This yes. is documented. Okay. So that's for real. Yeah. And are you saying that the way they've been translated that is widely known is different from the actual translation? <laughs> yeah. The, the text is entirely different. Oh. Both uh, Mormon and non-Mormon Egyptologists alike say that the source for the Book of Abraham is found nowhere within the papyrus. So the papyrus is, does not mention Abraham once or anything that's kind of detailed. Oh. So Joseph Smith pretended that he could translate uh, hieroglyphs? Is that what was going on? Basically. Okay. Which then goes to the, the Greek Psalter incident. There's a, a guy who, I can't quite remember his name, uh, when Joseph was in Nauvoo, you know, he hears about how he can translate all these Egyptian things, right? The Book of Mormon translated from Egyptian. The uh, Book of Abraham translated from Egyptian. And then there was like another thing, like there's the whole Zelf and the Kinderhook plates and whatever, all those pesky uh, church history things. <laughs> pesky. A guy comes in and basically in an effort to kind of show that Joseph doesn't know what he's talking about, says, oh, I have this book. I don't know what it is. Can you tell me what it is? And he hands it to him. And Joseph looks through it and he's like, oh, this is an Egyptian dictionary. And the big, like the big letter right here, the big characters right here are the traditional like hier hieroglyphs. And then the small is the reformed, you know, right next to it, giving a definition of what it is. 
And then the guy says, oh, you know, oh, silly me. Sorry. Actually, that's a Greek Psalter. It's written in Greek. It's, uh, it's the Psalms. <laughs> right? And then Joseph just kind of stands up and leaves the room. and Shrugs. <laughs> yeah, so it was reported in in like the the Warsaw message. It's just not really talked about. Of like, yeah. So not only did he misidentify the language, but then also kind of gave a very erroneous explanation of something that he supposedly was should have had expertise in. Yeah, plus God should have told him. God I think when he turned around left, sure. he said, I, "I know you are." God, but why are you embarrassing me like this? God, stop! <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? Why are you making yeah. me look like an idiot? Right? <laughs> Tell me the right are. answer. You gotta have skills. Girls don't like guys unless they have skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so fun, Craig. We have to hang out like in real life one of these days. <laughs> oh my goodness, I would love that. Oh, I yes. know. We have to. So, is that part of why your shelf broke then? Is because you were starting to doubt the actual history? There, like, there's a lot of those things of doubting. The history. There's a lot of the inconsistencies in the first vision accounts of it mixing it up between I saw God and Jesus or I saw an angel are kind of like big differences. It's like, mm-hmm. did you see God or is it an angel? Yeah, you don't forget when you see God. I'm sorry. I don't think like if did, you if you didn't just dream about saw God, Shelley, last time I saw God, it looked the same as the time before. Okay, <laughs> that was a few days ago for me. What <laughs> right, right, right. right? <laughs> So a lot of these foundational things, I'm like, I just, okay, can't quite get this. I mean, then you get into post-Joseph history, where you get into Brigham Young and all of those, which is very... Oh, it gets, it only gets worse. Oh, just like horrible. Yeah. I mean, how racist the church was for so long. And that a lot of the general authorities now try to kind of play it off like, oh, you know, the doctrine of the church is what's taught repeatedly by the apostles and prophets, not in some remote whatever. I'm like, well... If you consider what they taught for like a hundred years, it was all pretty racist. Mm-hmm. Sons of Cain shall never receive this blessing until after the resurrection. Yeah, you don't mix the seed. So bad. Such so bullshit. Bad. Right. I have to sometimes too, and maybe you do this with your grandpa. I, I, with my dad, because he did say lots of racist things and homophobic things, and but again, that's he was brought up that way in this church that he gave everything to and believed everything that anyone above him said. So if the church is teaching shit about the black people or the seed of Cain, whatever the hell they wanted to call him at the time, or they're talking shit about uh, homosexuals, or they're talking shit about women or whatever it is, like, it's not a surprise that my dad went along with it, you know? Is that possibly how you can kind of make things make sense with your grandpa? It's like, well, that's what he was taught. Well, kind of. Well, I'm grateful that right now that the church has change this rhetoric of being very more inclusive. It doesn't negate the fact that for, you know, over a hundred years that it was explicitly racist. Yeah. I think it's great for people to acknowledge their mistakes, take it and say, I fucked up and move on and actually grow and develop. Yeah. That's a, like a mark of a greater person than someone who didn't make a mistake at all. Like if you, if you admit it, your fault and say, yeah, we fucked up. Okay. And move on. Yeah. Then I would respect that way more than just, well, no, that was just their opinions and trying to just hem and haw. Oh, right. I know. I don't know if we would even have a podcast if the church would just own up to their shit. <laughs> you know, we would have nothing to talk about because they would be saying, oh, gosh, yeah, that wasn't right. Oh, you know what? That wasn't from God. And they would be progressive. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't. they wouldn't be behind the times by Maybe 20, it's 30 too years. much admission. Maybe there's so much to unravel. Because you got to go all the way back to be like, okay, we've built this whole thing. Yeah, where would you start? Man's... Where would you start with the apologies? You know, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's impossible. How do you even like unravel that? Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, it's so intertwined in so much of this 
just kind of stonewalling against being very reticent to any kind of change. A, a lot of those things kind of just fell down on, on me. And I was like, I can't resolve it in my mind. Yeah. So there was a lot of those underpinnings. Yeah, that's why I believe the church is losing so much of their younger membership is people are like, fuck this, you know, there's a, there's enough internet, <laughs> you know, and there's enough people talking about it. And the church is just having a hard time hanging on to the, to the youngins because they can learn the truth or at least start to think for themselves and, and decide this is for me or this isn't for me or, uh, I don't know. It's just sad to me still that so many people are stuck in it because that's just all they know. What are you going to do? If you had asked me when I was in the church, like I would have said, you know, I have such a strong testimony. I had people who, oh hell yeah, who afterwards, like I mean, let's see, Craig C. Christensen said between he's like, you have such a light in your face. He's like, in my patriarchal blessing, it's like, you know, you'll preside and all these things. Is like I, I drank the Kool Aid. I was, I was in a hundred percent. I, oh yeah, I was like an apologist of everything. I was. It wasn't just that I like, I believe it was like, as like, no, I know more than the sun shines. God. Yeah. I mean, same. Yep. I know this church is true. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. <laughs> and and now you like side deal in porn. So there you go. That's fucking badass. <laughs> hey, if you have a talent, you just you do what you enjoy and what you're good at. So. Why not? I'm, you know, yeah. if Joseph Smith could have figured out how to make money on porn, if there was such a thing back then, I'm sure he would have done it. That's true. He was yeah. just trying to make money. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Who knows what he would have <laughs> done? Who the hell knows? Dude's dead now. He started a cult. Now he's dead. But <laughs> that's actually one of the reasons that kind of why I refer to myself as an ethical non-monogamous rather than saying as much like polyamorous or polygamist. Yeah. Because of all the baggage that a lot of those things have. It's like, yeah. Like all the people I'm dating, I'm very open about. Yeah. I date other people and, you know, also sleep with other people and things. And this is how it is. And I'm very open, very like, oh, cool. Sometimes they're like, well, we're not dating them, so that's cool. You know, make sure that, like everything's safe, and I'm taking you're taking care of yourself. I'm like, yep, yeah. yeah. It's all above board. Everyone knows about everyone. I'm not hiding anything. I'm just very open, honest, and I'm just non-monogamous. So you're not like Joseph Smith. So Craig, you don't go to your sexual partners and say, "God told me I need to date other people, or he's going to kill me." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and condemn your entire family. Right. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You could use that one, though. I mean, give it a shot and we'll get you back on the show and see how it goes. Let us know how that goes. Okay. okay. <laughs> God. Uh, let's take another quick break and pay more bills. We'll wrap this up. We're back. So, Craig, are you the. Uh, sole black sheep in your family, meaning the only one who's left the church. I am the rainbow sheep of the family. That is true. <laughs> rainbow. Yay! <laughs> I am too. <laughs> because I, in already there was the, I'm the youngest of the family. Then I came out and I was like, oh, I'm bi. And none of my siblings had that. Then also I, my ex-wife, she was seven and a half years older than me. She was this independent black woman. I toured with Gladys Knight for years. And No shit! Wow. I love Gladys Knight. And That's the pits. Cool. Uh, so we had like so all these things. So it's like, oh, now I'm also marrying someone who's also not white and then also who's a convert. And then also like, so there's all these things that was very much not how kind of normal things in the family. Not that my family was like, oh, you know, that's terrible. You should have married someone this, that or the other. It was just no one in my family had done that before. So I'm very much kind of more on the fringes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this begs the question. So your wife was black, correct? Yep. And she was Mormon, right? I, I don't know. She still could be. She maybe left. I have no clue. Okay. Did you ever 
have a conversation with her about the church's history with racism? Uh, so many times. <laughs> God, what's, and what was her response? Like, it's mind-boggling to me, um, but whatever. Everyone has their own way to process and think about things. So what was her reaction? Uh, so she's a convert to the church. Uh, she had said that uh, the missionaries kind of taught her all the doctrines, everything she gets baptized. And then afterwards, she learns about the priesthood ban and like the uh, 1978 revelation, all of those. They're not going to lead with that. Right. But like, <laughs> right. You'd, you'd, you'd expect that maybe they'd at least acknowledge it. But it was like so hush. The way that she described it. It was so not presented about it. Yeah. And that when she would ask about some of the history of things that the missionaries might focus on very particular instances that may make Joseph or others look mm-hmm. in a favorable light. Of course. Mm. But that once she found out afterwards, she, the word that she used, she said she felt swindled. Oh, yeah. God. I bet. But then that she had already kind of like, just like, well, I'll make the plunge, I think. And then Shit. I don't know kind of what in her mind of, of things like about why she decided to stay we had a lot of conversations about that about how people uh in the church even look at mixed you know interracial marriages mm-hmm. i'd have a lot of people kind of stare and do all these like wait can you even do that and <laughs> it was not a very good experience not even a long time ago yeah oh god people get your shit together just love for crying out loud yeah so what are you, oh, we got to wrap this up pretty soon here, but what are you up to today? And I want to hear about your book. I'm kind of writing this book that is, uh, for me, I've kind of realized it's especially about my interactions with a lot of the different people, the vibrancy of the world. There's basically, it's about this guy who he wakes up and he, every day that he wakes up as a new person could be at a different point in time, but like he wakes up as someone, someone else. So he could wake up and be he could be a woman, he could be a man, he could wake up and be someone who's gay or trans or who's black or who's Asian to this, but they're realizing that we all have these different experiences. And a lot of what's actually contributing to this is I have a lot of friends that I have these deep conversations with. And so they're com- they're almost kind of like co-writing with me. They're helping me understand things that maybe I don't understand. I don't know what it's like to be trans. I've never been trans. Oh, that's cool. But having like my friends being able to tell me what it is and realizing that like he still feels the emotions of whatever it is of the person whose life he's living. Yeah. But at first he's he's like, oh, it's a free pass. I can do whatever I want. Then seeing that there are certain consequences emotionally to the people that that he might find out later on of something he did that causes someone to hurt themselves. And realizing that rather than trying to just live for himself, he's trying to see how he could be able to help contribute into their life and be, make their life just a little bit better and hoping to be able to experience the totality of human existence and just that how each person has something unique and wonderful and beautiful to contribute to the world. Love it. And so it's this whole process of being able to understand that we are who we are and we can't change who we are, but we can learn from each other. Yeah, that's beautiful. Have do, have you given your book a name yet? Uh, the working title is Selflessness. Well, you'll have to get back with us if you um, get it published and you want us to promote. <laughs> if you if you send me a free copy, a free signed copy, <laughs> signed manuscript. Yes. There you go. Ooh, yeah. Actually, let me edit first so with like my red marker. This is wrong. Oh gosh. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be awesome. Um, good for you for having the bravery to get out of the church and come out of the closet and get out of a bad marriage and things. But I really do appreciate, and I think a lot of our listeners understand this and feel this as well, your ability to kind of separate Elder Richard G. Scott from Grandpa. You know, if I just looked at my dad through a church lens, 
I wouldn't like the guy. I would have this gross, icky, like, ugh, can't stand you. But my dad, even though he's super involved in the church, who he is in this core, he's very kind and he's very caring and he's very helpful. But it's like he was just raised and taught in a way that makes him just do some shit that is just not good. Yeah. And I, it feels to me like that's kind of how you feel about your grandpa. It's like, well, he's said some horrible shit that I don't agree with. He's done these things and whatever. But as grandpa, he gave me all of the attention in the world and he was kind and caring. I think a lot of people deal with with that. Again, our listeners, especially as they have people who are still in the church family that they love, but they can't stand the shit they say. So I appreciate that. I don't want to throw away like all of the good experiences just because of the shitty ones. Right. Even the all experiences I've had in my life, I don't really regret anything in my life. Yeah. Because all of it has helped lead me to be who I am now. And I love, I fucking love who I am now. Absolutely. It, life is so good. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I, yeah, I wouldn't change it because it helped build me who, to who I am. And even those things are like, well, now I know that I don't like that. So. <laughs> right. And now you can drop F-bombs whenever you want. So <laughs> way to yeah. go. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Craig, thank you so much for being on our show. We really appreciate it. This was such a fun conversation. It really was. It's good. Oh, this is great. I, I really enjoyed this. Good. I would love to even like hang out with you guys outside of this. And I know like, we've chatted and like a lot of your personality I think really kind of matches a lot of things that I like. So it's been really fun getting to know you guys. Aww. Maybe you can teach us how to read hieroglyphics because that sounds that really That sounds like a fun Monday afternoon. Yeah, I'm going to put on my <laughs> yeah. extra nerdy glasses. Where do, you, where do you live now? Are you in Utah? Yeah, I live in Lehigh right now. Hopefully we will be able to do a, a pride event some year after COVID is... <sighs> I know. Yeah, we want to come to Salt Lake City Pride. Yeah, we soon, we did whenever uh, that's happening. Yeah, we will hit every Salt Lake City Pride until the end of time because it's so <laughs> much fun and we love meeting people that we've just interviewed or that listen. So we'll let you know. We'll keep you posted. We will. We will. Yeah. Till we meet, till we meet. Oh. That's for you, Craig. I mean, that's for you, brother. Call. Yeah. I, now I'm like thinking of it in Chinese. Dai Shanghui. Oh wow. Dai <laughs> Craig, you are full of surprises. Shit. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'm impressed. I served in Taiwan, Mandarin, Chinese speaking. Amazing. You you got a lot going on. Yeah. How many languages do you uh, you speak over there? That's amazeballs. So I speak five languages and I can read in another two. Oh, my gosh. So I speak English. Spanish, Mandarin, Chinese, American Sign Language. And then I'm okay with French. I'm trying to review my French, though. And then I can read Egyptian hieroglyphs and some Latin. Man. Oh, Craig, you're making me feel like a <laughs> like a real dumbass over here. Oh, I can also read some biblical Hebrew and Greek, too. Good That's God, also. Craig. Good God. I can barely read English. Yeah, I can't handle any backwards languages where you got to read right to left. It just throws me every time. <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm the, not, that's I'm the not only reason it. is because it's right to left. <laughs> otherwise, right. you could totally I'd be read all it. into it. Otherwise, <laughs> okay, we oh, should probably wrap fun. it up. But thank you so much, Craig. I really appreciate it. This was so fun. I enjoyed this. I would love. To, I'd love to do this again sometime if you ever want to have me back on. I'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah, we'd fun. Love, we'd love to keep, keep up us, with you. Yeah, keep us posted on the book. And uh, when you get on your uh, big big tour, your book tour, we'll we'll have you on as a guest. Yes, you can. We'll, you can we'll sign be your my first breasts. Stop. Sounds good. What are you going to sign? I your said what? You can ass? sign my breasts. <laughs> <laughs> 
like I'm on his signature when you're he's gonna sign Shelly's boobs and my ass. How's there that? There you go. <laughs> with, okay. With Sharpie. Okay. With Sharpie, it's gonna be amazing. Like as long as it, that's what you want. I'm like, for me, it's like consent is everything. <laughs> totally. It's about enthusiastic consent to people. So we're all coming together doing something we all really enjoy. You have our consent. Are you? Can we go Facebook Live when we do that? Because I'm, I'm cool. You first. You first. <laughs> I'll, right. I'll tag my parents. Okay. All right. We should wrap this Good up. Idea. All right, cool. Good idea. All right. <laughs> Thank you so yeah, much, thanks Craig. Again. Have a great night. Thank you. You as well. Well, that was a great interview. You know, I love having people on and hearing their stories. I know. And there's hope for all of us. Absolutely. Isn't there? Even if you are the grandson <laughs> of Richard G. Scott, of Richard G. Scott, of Richard Gordon Scott, <laughs> there is hope for you to get out of the cult and live your own life, which is what Craig's doing. So, yeah. in spite of the pressure from uh, parents and grandparents, et cetera. Yeah, way to be, be you, Craig. For sure, you might have those people entrenched in the church in your life, but Craig is flying free. Indeed, he is. Okay, we are going to skip. Patrons this week. Sorry, patrons. We'll get to you next week. I did have five. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> but we're out of time. We'll get you next week. Not to worry. Promises, promises. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we are going to thank Dan, though, from Extension Audio. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for leaving it in, Dan. And please steer clear of those cults. Clearly, they are no joke. No joke at all. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.